This is the Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Podcast with Dr. Serene Sharif. This is a space where we explore how mindfulness, productivity systems, and our thoughts create the magic in our life. I'm here to help and support you if you are struggling with overwhelm and burnout, and you're looking for tools to take control of your time, mind, energy, and productivity. I'm your host, Dr. Serene Sharif, and I am a general surgeon, medical educator, mom to three wonderful children, and wife, which were all instrumental in my journey to be a productivity and burnout coach. I'm excited to share my tools and unique framework to build a community so no one has to go through this alone, empowering each other to find our way out of burnout and overwhelm. We will explore how my mindfulness and productivity systems framework can help you combine the energy of mindfulness with the scientific principles of habit building and your unique systems of productivity. My framework is designed to help you find clarity, design your dream life, and create your transformation. We'll discuss how to overcome limiting beliefs and obstacles that are standing in the way of your dream life, as well as how to create and sustain your new habits in a way that will allow you to finally ditch your willpower and motivation struggles and have more time and energy to live your best life. This is episode number eight. Last week, we discussed the thought model and how to separate our emotional narrative from the facts in our reality. This week, I would like to explore the idea of using mindfulness as a tool to create intentional living. Our life is so full of overwhelm, distraction, mindless data fog, always being on the go, 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 really just almost on autopilot. How many days do we really get up and the whole day passes and by the end of the day we realize, wow, what did I do today? What happened? Did I even do anything that I had planned to at the beginning of the day? And somehow the time just seems to pass without even being conscious of it. Intentional living is really a key element in creating the life that we want by intentionally building clarity in our choices, by creating focus and intention at the beginning part of our day, our week, our month, our year, and recognizing that by doing less, we can truly live more and connect to our joy in the moment. Living with intention means closely examining our choices and understanding that every day, every moment, we get to choose how we spend the next moment. We get to choose who we spend it with. What do we focus on? What do we think about? How do we want to feel? What do we want to create in our life? And if we are not happy with that choice, if we don't like what we see in our life, then we're blessed with the opportunity to make changes, to change what our next moment will be like. At some point for each of us, these moments have an end date, an end time. And none of us really know what that would be. You know, we don't know how long our life is meant to be and what our timeline is like, but we do have choice in this moment. And this moment is the only real choice that we have. Our past and our future are mere thoughts in our mind. The only reality, the only true facts, the only reality is this moment in time. Now, intentional living doesn't mean we know exactly everything that's going to happen and we got it all figured out, but it means that we are intentionally choosing each moment for what we want it to be, that we have a purpose. It starts with our core values, our mission and vision in life. Just knowing what 
the next step in our journey is going to be and consciously making choices in alignment with our values, our mission, our goals. There's no right, there's no wrong. And that's the best part of intentionality is recognizing that there is just now with no judgment, paying complete and full attention to that moment, connecting to our inner purpose, infusing that moment with compassion, with joy, with love, with connection, and knowing that no matter what, this moment is so special that it fills our entire horizon. I'm so grateful to share in the space with you to create more time in our lives so that we can do less and live more. Productivity has become this buzzword with more and more activities and tasks added to our to-do list and calendar, both for ourselves and for our children and for all generations, because somehow doing more and having more is connected to productivity, success, and happiness. And what I hope to share with you and to help develop in this space is the understanding that productivity is doing only what matters to you, focusing on the few tasks that make the biggest difference in your life. And we'll be sharing more and discussing more about this core fundamental principle of productivity, because it is not just about talking about your calendar management and time management. Really, it's about building clarity around your priorities, creating the time that you want to live your dreams and recognizing that by doing less, we are creating the time to live more fully connected to our dreams, to our family, to our community, and spending our core resources, such as time and energy, on things that matter the most for us. I am so excited to welcome my guest today, Dr. Rashmi Shram. Dr. Shram is a board-certified family physician, meditation teacher, and certified integrative health coach. She is passionate about whole health, addressing mind, body, spirit health, and wellness for her clients. Hi, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I've enjoyed a lot of your meditations and your work that I've seen. I'm so excited to have you on and hear a little bit more about your journey, how you've really balanced being a physician, being an entrepreneur, being a mom, especially if you've had situations of burnout or overwhelm. I'd love to hear a little bit more about it. Yeah, absolutely. I am in my 21st year of practicing medicine, right around probably year five, six or seven, something like that. I had a couple of young babies. Uh, I would say I began my slow churn and burn and, and the overwhelm continued for mm-hmm. many years. I tried several different little things that worked short term. You know, I would schedule a vacation. I would schedule a day off here. They were very short term fixes. And so I survived like that for a while and finally really just had a a crash, if you will. And that was around probably eight or nine years ago, Serene. And it looked something like me feeling very anxious and worried all the time, even though on the outside, everything looked great. Me feeling like I couldn't really dedicate what I needed to dedicate the time to my kids and my and my job very well. And I also began to get physically sick as well. I started to suffer from digestive issues. I started to suffer from migraines. I, you know, was convinced I had all kinds of other ailments. I actually even passed a couple of kidney stones. Things weren't looking so great. Oh my goodness. (laughs) That was really when I decided I just needed to do something about it. And I had actually dabbled a little bit in meditation in college and never really stuck with it. 
And I decided to give it another try, particularly for the migraines. And it really started to show some positive effects in my life right away. And it took me a few years to really get it into a regular practice. But once I did, it was really a time for me to thrive. Wow. Yeah. That's how there was so many things going on. And, and it does seem, doesn't it? When we have one thing going on is when all of these, it's like a pile of cards, it starts collapsing and you think, okay, everything was going along. Okay. And the little fixes seem to work. And then at one point, it's hard for us to maintain that all. I would love to know when you were trying to incorporate meditation and mindfulness, one of the biggest questions that I've been asked is, I don't really have time for mindfulness. Like I don't even have time to take five minutes for myself. So for someone who's really in that early phase, like you were saying, you dabble before, and then you started getting into it more. What are some advices that you would give someone who is starting out and who would love to incorporate mindfulness practices or meditation in their life, but they don't really have a lot of time? Yeah, that's such a good question. That was certainly the case for me, for sure. And I would say that constantly. And I would always feel guilty if I sat for a meditation. It was a definite hump that I needed to get over. And part of what helped me get over it was actually just science, <laughs> like science and so much stuff. And really looking through some studies, having a mentor who was a physician who also taught meditation was very helpful. And, and the studies will just blow you away if you spend some time to really look at those. In fact, I just created a presentation um, for a group of physicians yesterday. And what you start to notice very quickly is a reversal of that fight or flight sympathetic response, even just in first time meditators you start to see homeostasis, you start to see decreased rates, even just after the first meditation of cortisol and, you know, lowered blood pressure. And so for nothing else, that's actually usually a toe dipping exercise for folks, especially if they are suffering. For me, I felt like it was helping my migraine headaches, for example, as well as this feeling of anxiety that I was having. And I started to notice that right away. And the more I meditated, the more grounded I felt, if that makes sense. And so it's really just about maybe just having an open mind. And if that's really something that's not possible, then look at the studies, spend some time looking at those. I actually have a few just very short YouTube videos that you can, you know, link to from my website and people can just give that a try if they have an extra eight minutes, for example. Yeah, science works for me for sure. And that's fascinating to really understand some of the scientific details behind it. And I also love the thought when we think we don't have time is really when we need it the most. When we talk about self-care, for instance, we just don't have time to, to spend time taking care of ourselves. You know what, when you're burning both ends of the candle and you're feeling like, why do I have a headache? Why, why does my stomach hurt every time I eat? Why don't I have energy anymore? That's really the time that we need to take a pause, reflect on what's going on and recognize, first of all, this is not working. Got to create some change in my life and really where to go. So you mentioned that there are some links on your website that they can explore for someone who's starting, because I've thought a lot about breath work or even really start with a five minute, just focusing on your breath in the morning and some of the other simpler ways that people can wet their feet and get started instead of feeling, oh, I got to make a 45 minute commitment every day for the first week to really get going. That's hard. So what are some of your thoughts on that? And any other recommendations for new beginners? That's an excellent thought, Serene. So that's exactly how I start in my coaching program 
is honestly with breath work. And I found that people just can come right into a mindful place because obviously if we are intentional and conscious about our breathing, then we can't be anywhere else, but in the present moment. And when there is something to concentrate on, so whether it's yogic breathing or breath or intermittent nostril breathing, anything like that, where we have a focus for our minds. So that way the monkey mind has something to do. And that is generally how I start my clients off, especially because by the time they're coming to talk to me, they have um, already experienced so many of the things that you and I are talking about, which is feeling overwhelmed, feeling anxious, feeling like there's just no time for self-care. And so usually people are willing to spend two minutes twice a day. <laughs> and that's really how we start off. And that it's mm -hmm. really just about uh, that those no connections and forming a habit to sit for something for two minutes in the morning and two minutes in the evening. And once they're comfortable with that, we move it to about four minutes and then we go from there. But it's really, I start very small. I love that. I'm a huge believer in starting small to build sustainable habits. So I think that starting something like that small and, and just really breath is the first space to start. I think it's quite powerful. So as you use the various tools that you've talked about to create some intentional time in your life and to create that balance, if you will. I know balance is an overused word, but really where do you find time for yourself, time for family, time for career growth and all of the other things that we want to do? What are some strategies that you've used to create that time for yourself? That's such a great question. I know you teach this very well and it really just has to do with planning. And when I started to live in the present moment instead of, because what I was doing was when I was at work, I was thinking about making dinner. When I was at the grocery store, I was thinking about what I didn't do at work. When I was cooking dinner, I was thinking about something else. And when I was eating dinner with my family, I was still thinking about something else. And I just felt like I hadn't gotten anything done. And so when I began to have a couple of formal practices, in addition to meditation, which was journaling, and then taking a certain amount of time on Sundays, as well as on Wednesdays to plan out my week hour by hour and do it intentionally and honor that as I was going through my week, because obviously I didn't want to stay on that schedule, especially as an entrepreneur. That's, that was what was so hard about it. It's still a process for me for sure, but it really comes down to planning and then honoring what it is that I plan to do. I love that so much. When you started talking about our mind being somewhere else, when we're doing something, I feel like you're reading my mind. <laughs> it's true. There's just so many things to distract us that, especially if we don't have that clarity on, on what is our focus for that day? What is our focus for that week? Or what are our general goals, it can feel like we're being thrown into the sea of activities and you just do one thing after the other. And there's really not a lot of clarity. And I actually love that you, you spend time twice a week. So I actually do that. I, I do it once a week and I'm, I'm curious what that would be like. I might have to try it just to check it out, but I, I do that once a week, just doing like an analysis. I look at all the wins from the past week, really living in that space of gratitude because it is so uplifting just to think about it. It's easy to say, oh, I didn't get anything done. I just had a terrible week. But then when you really look at the calendar and say, oh, you know what? I did do this. I like to even write down the wins that 
people say our normal routine. I cook dinner three times. Hey, that's a win. We finished 80% of our homeschooling plan or we went for a walk. Everything counts. And when you start thinking about all the little things that add up during the week, wow, I had the most amazing week and really understanding, yeah, there were some challenges and even considering in that space of challenge, okay, why was this a problem? Okay, I was supposed to do this project. I I didn't finish it. And that's also a time to reflect and think, did I not do it? Because I don't want to. Why am I procrastinating? Is it because I don't want to? Is it because I don't know what to do next? Is it because it is not important for me right now, but maybe it's something that I would do later. So every time I don't complete something on my calendar, it's a moment of reflection. It used to be for me, a lot of self-criticism and self-judgment. Oh, I can't believe I didn't do it again. I'm such a procrastinator and all of these things. Now, really, I just take a moment and say it didn't happen and, and why? And it allows me to think, do I want it on my calendar next week or can I delegate? delegate it? Can I automate it in some way? Can I push it forward to a time later that I feel it would be more pertinent for it? And then once we do that gratitude work and just analyzing our challenges and our procrastinations, then really thinking about the focus for the upcoming week and not having more than three areas of focus, because it can get quite a bit, putting it onto your calendar and really honoring that. I, I love thinking about our calendar is really a commitment that we make both to ourselves and to others. And so nothing should go on the calendar that you're not willing to commit. And, and then once you put it on, follow through. And, and if you're not, then consider why not. And once we start building that relationship of honoring what we say we're going to do, I think it cuts out so much of that chitter chatter of, oh, do I really feel like doing it? Am I motivated? Or oh, I don't have willpower to do it. None of those things matters as much because you say, this is what I said I'm going to do. And my identity is connected to honoring promises. I'd love to know. So what do you do when you do it twice? Do you do this process two times? Or is it more of a check-in? Oh, is the week going well? How, how does that work for you? It's really just a check-in and I do it Wednesday night. So I have a class from seven to eight usually. And so it's just a day that I move things up a little bit. So I make dinner a little bit earlier and then I'm sitting down. And so when I'm done at eight, the kids are usually doing homework. My husband's, I don't know, maybe he's trying to meditate or something. So I usually have 30 minutes where nobody necessarily needs me or expects to see me. And so I just take out my calendar and just go through it and do some journaling and take a look and make sure that I finish out my week with as much strength as I started it out. Because I definitely find that Thursdays and Fridays, I'm just be like, I don't want to do that. I love that. I definitely will, will check it out. I usually do my weekly analysis on Fridays, but I think that having a little bit of a midweek check-in, what it it could be helpful for is really just, okay, this is how the week's been. And and if you're getting off track, it's a way to get yourself back on track. And then if you are on track, then it's a way to finish out the week strong and say, okay, I have Thursday, Friday, or however things run on your calendar. I have a couple more days. What can I do to finish out my focus? So I think that sounds like fun. Thanks for sharing. (laughs) Absolutely. Anytime. Yeah. And as you consider, you've done a lot of work now in doing additional training and certification in mindfulness and integrative health and meditation, et cetera. What is a a passion for you? What is something that you're really focused on for the next few years that you're like, this is really my vision. This is what I want to see to fruition. Yeah, absolutely. Right now I have my 12 week signature coaching program. It's one-on-one. Ultimately, I'd like to get to a group coaching program, but it really revolves around this one thing, Serene. So it's really that 
I help high achieving women who are feeling overworked and overwhelmed to let go of guilt and tap into inner peace and joy so they can live the energetic and purposeful lives they deserve. And I've been helping women do exactly that. It is one of the most rewarding things I've ever done in my life. And it is empowering for them. It's empowering for their families. It's empowering for their societies. And that's really my focus as, as far as where I'm putting most of my attention right now. That's awesome. I, I definitely can see where the guilt and the self-judgment, self-criticism, all of that, there's so much of that, especially someone who is doing all of the work and trying to balance wearing different hats and trying to really find their way to clarity. So that sounds like an amazing program. What kind of things do you do in that? Are you talking about incorporating mindfulness or meditation? What are some of the tools that you use within the program? Yeah, absolutely. So we do definitely incorporate mindfulness and meditation. I offer either a mantra-based meditation and some people choose that, but they also have the option of just choosing a yoga nidra for themselves as well, like a personalized yoga nidra. And that seems to really accelerate their spiritual growth. And in addition to that, we do very regular yoga nidra sessions. Number one, because people love it. I love it. It's just so much fun. It's relaxing. It's rejuvenating. And so that's always the center of what we do, but I actually follow a process that is evidence-based, neuroscientifically sustainable, that really has to do with mind, body, spirit in the context of environment. So we look at whole health and then we bring awareness to it. And so we look at not just what are you eating? Of course, we look at that. How are your relationships and how is your relationship with yourself? What's your environment like? And how much are you moving? How much rest do you get? What are you looking for as far as personal growth, professional growth? And so it's really a large picture because we know that as one thing shifts, really everything else shifts as well. And then we start to, they start to, my clients start to come up with changes that are going to be meaningful for them. And then we create a blueprint together and there's no judgment ever. There's just curiosity and openness. And of course there's accountability. And as they start to get these wins, just like you were talking about how you um, have made it a very intentional practice. And certainly as FI, we really start to very intentionally bring in past successes, past wins, and figure out how we can navigate the next X, Y, or Z challenge. And so we continue that week after week and they're ready to graduate by 12 weeks. Yeah, I, I can definitely see how powerful gratitude has been in my life. And I know for so many, really just even changing our perspective, right? Or thinking, okay, when you view the world with uh, the lens of gratitude, you tend to see so many of the amazing things that kind of pop up and allows us to explore what else it could mean when we start thinking, oh, yes, it is cold. <laughs> well, you're in Florida. I'm in Indiana. It's cold here and the snow is finally starting to melt. It's easy to say, oh, I can't go out. I can't do this or that. But then when you think about all the things that we can do, it makes it just amazing to, to really push through that little bump in the road when there may be some things that are a little bit more restrictive, especially I've noticed with the whole pandemic and it's changed the way we've thought about so much. It's really created a perspective change for us. What would you say is something that you've really noticed as far as a change in the way you think about things or, or even just how you've been experiencing your world? We're not quite in the post-pandemic phase, but as we get into having the vaccine available and things starting to slowly 
work itself back, what are something that you've seen in your own life as far as a change? Oh, what a great question. So first I would say, just like for almost everyone, 2020 has been the year of the pivot. And I have pivoted so many times I've lost count. And so it's really for me just about remembering my ability to adapt and to stay nimble and to stay open and to learn from whether I view something as a failure or a success to learn from each of those things and to use all of the data that I'm collecting about whether it's my practice or the way that I parent or self-care or anything else so that it will fuel this growth mindset for me that hopefully will never end. And that's been a big takeaway for me is that it's okay not to know. Uncertainty is okay. And actually everything really is always uncertain. We just think we know the outcome. (laughs) And that's been a big mindset shift for me. And it's a constant work in progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That is so true. We do have that illusion of control and, oh yeah, we know what's going to happen. That has definitely been a huge shift for us as well. Just even thinking before we could plan to go on trips or to go to the mall because we needed to pick up something or have play dates for the kids or play dates for us. All of these things that we thought, yeah, of course, we can just plan it whenever we want. And then when things shut down and even just getting groceries, you had to plan it and you had to stand in line and just the change in what we consider it was normal, I think was a huge shift for me. I definitely am so grateful for all of the things that I used to take for granted. Now, when I get to experience them and do some of these things, I think, wow, this is definitely so much more precious than we realize. Oh, for sure. For sure. There is just this one restaurant that takes really good COVID sort of precautions and there's plenty of outdoor seating. And so we've gone there a few times and the pleasure that I get from that (laughs) I know. I mean, like, oh my God, somebody's making me food and they're serving it to me. (laughs) Yes. And the other thing that actually, as you were mentioning, that I've been really thinking about and reflecting on is how much of a burden there has been on the moms, just even kids and schooling, but also all of the time that maybe they used to go and do other things. But now that they're home, there's been an immense pressure placed on parents all over. But I think from a lot of what I've seen, some of the data that's coming out, as well as talking to people is just there's a disproportionate impact on working moms. And we talk a lot about, okay, we have the impact of the pandemic, but then there's going to be an impact that is coming after on physical health, definitely those who have been affected by COVID and those who have had family members affected, et cetera, there is that impact, but then there's also that mental health impact. What are some of your thoughts on that? That's such a great point. And it's going to be a huge societal problem and issue. Mm-hmm. It already is, but I agree with you. I think a lot of the, the mushroom cloud is yet to come for sure, because living in a chronic daily stress environment takes its mm-hmm. toll physically and mentally And we just don't have the resources in our country and probably around the world to really deal with the fallout from moms not being able to keep their jobs, having to leave different situations of constantly riding the unicycle and juggling 12 balls at the same time and being on a tightrope. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. (laughs) And 
I think just normalizing that is a great way to start to have a conversation with it and to have compassion for ourselves and for others when we see that suffering. I think we certainly need to start having more open conversations as far as mental health is concerned and looking at tools that might not be conventional. Maybe not everybody needs an SSRI. Maybe they do and that's Mm -hmm. fine, but maybe if the SSRI is not working, maybe looking at how much exercise are you getting and what can we do within support systems to make sure that was exercising? What can we do to give this person 15 minutes of a mindfulness meditation? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of my yoga nidras are free or very low cost. And and I actually have a pro bono program that I do for six local teachers here. I think just feeling like I'm doing a very small part is good. And then certainly, of course, it's our duty to take care of our own health as well. Mm -hmm. So true. Yeah, I think that really just building that grace for ourselves. It came up for me a couple days ago, because I've been feeling really exhausted. I've started to be on call more. And there's just a lot of things to balance. And I was actually just trying to look through and consider why am I so exhausted? And I'm just not doing enough Or there's that feeling sometimes that comes up, oh, I need to finish doing this. And why am I not able to finish that and all of that. And then I really just had some moments of reflection. And I realized I'm trying to be my pre-pandemic self and do the 20 things. But at that time, I had a lot more support and the circumstances were different. The kids were in school during the work week and there were so many differences, but somehow guilting myself or blaming myself for, for not rising to the challenge when I'm doing all of this and I've got a blindfold at the same time. So I think just really recognizing that, yeah, it is not normal. It's okay if I don't do everything that I was doing before and being intentional about what we're choosing to keep on and and what we're going to let go. It is going to take some time for this transition to finish, right? I I have family uh, all over the world. And when we talk about even being able to see each other and being able to be physically in the presence of each other, what we're understanding is that it's not going to happen this year, it might not even happen next year. Because for everyone to be through this phase, it's going to take some time. So instead of trying to hold our breath and stick it out, we need to build those moments of wellness, those moments of mindfulness and connection now and take care of ourselves now. What I try to remind myself is just I don't have to do everything. It's totally fine. Whatever I'm doing that I'm still present and I'm connected is so much more important than trying to do five more things, but I feel like I'm going to pull my hair out. <laughs> so yeah, that, that was, it. I think, a moment of reflection, really even for myself. That's a really powerful insight. And I think I've had those same kinds of feelings that I've let whirl around over the last several months for sure. I think we all dug in our heels and we were like, okay, we're ready for this. There was of course some fear, but there was also this feeling of, yeah, we were made for this. We're resilient people. We're doctors. And then it's a whole year out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We are tired. Yeah. Just acknowledging that and saying it's okay. Just like you did, which was the circumstances with which you are dealing is not the circumstances with what you were dealing with a year and a half ago where you were Mm -hmm. achieving X, Y, and Z. And so right now it's okay. But instead of creating all of this havoc and stress for yourself, you're choosing self-love, self-compassion, and self-care practices. And that is incredibly healing and incredibly powerful. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we're looking at the sustainability of it, because if the caregivers, moms, dads working and balancing different things, if we 
continue to push ourselves beyond our human capacity, at some point, the toll is going to be so immense, both personally, as well as at a societal level. So I think that when we give ourselves permission to say, yeah, you know, this is totally fine. I did one and two on my to-do list and I'm okay not doing the rest of it. And it's totally fine. And just being in that space, I think we also give permission to others to say, oh, I guess that's okay. And when we all give ourselves the permission to just be enough as we are and to enjoy the moment as it is without feeling, oh, I have to be in this achiever mode of doing five more things to increase that productivity. I think that's really a powerful space. For sure. And more often than not, when I'm doing my yoga nidras, I usually use one or two of those intentions or affirmations as far as the sankalpa goes. And it's, I am whole and complete just as I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we drop that into our subconscious or I am at peace in the midst of chaos. They are universal truths. And mm-hmm. when we tap into those, they become very powerful. I love that. I'm in peace in the midst of chaos. I'm going to have to put that on a post-it for me to see. I'm a huge sticky notes person. So I'll put that on. It's normal to feel stressed, right? But when we see that and just remind ourselves to take a deep breath and say, it's fine. I'm at peace. There's going to be chaos. There's going to be havoc. And we don't have to live in that mind drama and we can choose a different thought that will serve us better. I think it's incredibly powerful. One of the things that I've heard from people, especially as they're wanting to build more mindfulness and meditation practices in their life is this thought, I'm just not good at that. There's so many limiting beliefs really that can hold us up. Maybe it's starting a practice of working out for the first time or or getting back to work out after they've fallen off the wagon a little bit or whatever it is. When they're building a, a, a self-care and self-love practice, But there are these limiting beliefs that kind of keep them stuck in their past self. What are some mindset shifts that could help them move forward? Yeah, that's such a great question. In fact, almost everyone, as including you and me, we we have all of these limiting beliefs, Mm -hmm. which is where coaching comes in so handy. And what we can do is extrapolate data and information from what we know about how habits are built and how, you know, neuroplasticity works, which is just the repetition And the more times we do it, it doesn't actually matter how long we spend doing it, but the more times we spend doing it, the more it becomes a habit. And so it's true about working out. It's true about spending time studying something. It's it's true about mindfulness. And it's true really about anything that you think is a desirable outcome for you. And so if somebody really isn't interested in mindfulness, me shoving that down their throat would be completely useless. It's really when someone is interested, whether it's in a mantra-based meditation or mindfulness or exercise or plant-based eating, that's really where magic sauce is. It depends on what is meaningful for them. And so that's actually one of the most fundamental things that we do in our first session is Mm -hmm. we go through an exhaustive list and it can be overwhelming of where are you in this area? Where do you want to be? Why do you want to be there? And how important is it for you to be there? And it becomes very clear as to what is something that they want to focus on. And then we, like I said, as we create those roadmaps, 
we really start with very small steps and it's those successes lead to more successes Mm -hmm. and that is fully evidence-based. And so when we actually set ourselves up for success, and of course, these are high achieving women. So the first thing they're going to do is come up with, I'm going to create a course in the next two weeks while I'm working full-time and homeschooling my three kids. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm going to do. And so it's my job to really in a gentle way to maybe come up with one or two smaller action steps where they could find success and still work towards that goal of coming up with a course or whatever it is they thought would be important for them professionally, personally, whatever that is. And the same for exercise. Folks who say, I'm going to work out for 60 minutes every day and I'm going to read for 30 minutes every day. And no, that's not really Mm -hmm. setting yourself up for success if you're not working out right now. So it's really just about the habit forming is what I would say. I couldn't agree more, actually. I'm a huge habit person. And I do think that it allows you to automate something so you don't have to rely on continuously building that particular habit. So a lot of times I've even had people ask me, okay, I want to eat healthy. I want to work out. I want to do all of these things. And they may have five or seven things that they want to work on at the same time. And really my best advice is to just pick one. Let's really automate that as a habit. Start as a nano habit, something that's really simple. So if you want to work out, then maybe you're going to do five or 10 minutes a couple of times a week, and then you keep building it and building it until you've reached where you want to be. And once you have automated it to the level that you don't have to even think about it, you wake up, oh, it's Wednesday, it's my workout day, and I'm just going to go do it. Once you've done that, then you can layer that with your second habit. Sometimes we do habit stacking where you connect two habits together or or really just building these series of things that you do and ultimately what it does is takes the the mental energy that comes up oh i don't know it's wednesday do i really want to work out maybe i don't maybe i do all of these things no it's wednesday this is what i do on wednesdays so i think that the easier we can make it on our brain So we don't have to constantly make these decisions because decision fatigue leads to a lot of the procrastination as well. So the easier we can make it on our brain and say, Wednesdays at 5 p.m., this is what I do. Tuesdays at 3 p.m., this is what I do. And you build that as layers of habits and routines. It takes the thought out of it, makes it so much easier. And over the course of time, we get to do more. Now, maybe we're not doing all of it in one setting. Over the course of six months or a year, you get to do more and time's passing anyway. How many years do we have these repetitive new year resolutions and goals with no change in life? Maybe it'll take you two or three years, but what would it be if you could actually slowly build that, making it sustainable and consistent? And I think that's definitely a huge mindset shift that's helped me as well. Just build things that I I never really thought was possible. We were talking about my water bottle. I used to be not at all a water drinker. In fact, just even getting two or three cups was hard for me. And, and now I consistently am able to drink more. And it took actually two and a half years almost to, to get me to that level. And if someone had told me in the beginning that it was going to take two and a half years, I might've said, oh, I don't know if I want to be committed for that long, but I didn't even think about it that way. I just said, listen, I want to be a water drinker. So what would a water drinker do? First of all, I got these fun water bottles and I, I had a graded succession. So I started with a 24 ounce and it was a fun bottle. I used aromatherapy drops and just kept drinking. And when I had finished that and I was like, okay, I'm pretty consistent with this. Why don't I bump it up? And I went to, I think after that was 48 ounce. So I just kept going and it wasn't a, a conscious thought of, yes, ultimately I had a goal that I wanted to reach, 
But on the everyday basis, it's really just everyday habits and making it so easy and automated. My water bottle's filled, ready to go. I don't even have to think about it. I just drink it as the day goes by. And so I think that automating these habits really can be powerful beyond what we imagine it to be. Absolutely. It really takes the struggle around whatever decision you were going to make. It takes the struggle away. Seems definitely the same for me, not necessarily with water, but I love your example. And there's so many of those things when we get clear on what it is that matters, And for you, you got clear on, I'm not drinking enough water and I'm going to make it a a point to drink more water. Now, if somebody just told you, oh, Serene, you should drink more water. It wouldn't really make any sense for you. You'd be like, great, sure. Thanks. Why don't you drink more water and go in the OR for 12 hours? Yes. Well, that that was part of my struggle. It's like, oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Why don't you scrub in after you drink 64 (laughs) ounces? Yeah, that goes. So yeah. And you made it happen because it made sense for you. And that's, I think, the core of why some habits are successful and some aren't, because we really examine whether something is important or not, a focus point. And if it doesn't pass the sniff test on that, then we move on. We go, okay, what else is it? If exercise isn't the thing you think is going to give you dividends, then let's look at what is it about nutrition that you wanted to change and so on and so forth. So I think that's a really good example. Yeah. And I think the the other part of it is that we really need to connect it to the goals, as you mentioned, but also to really creating the identity of a person who is doing this, right? So if I just said, okay, I want to drink three glasses or five glasses, or now I'm doing 64 ounce. So that's what I'm going to do. But instead, what I thought was, what would someone who loved to drink water, what would a water drinker do? And I want to be that person. So what do I need to do? And really, adopting that identity of your future self and saying, this is who I want to be now. How would that person show up today? And just do that every day. And you'll realize after a few months or a few years, you really get there without even realizing how far you've come. And now it's become something that is a part of your identity that uh, I don't even think about it. My water bottle's filled and I'm ready to go. And I just have to turn around to find it. It's not like I have to think, oh, where am I going to get my water? How am I going to do it? All of those kinds of nuances. So yeah, for sure. Is there anything that you wish you could tell your younger self? Like what's one piece of advice that you would like to give your younger self? Oh, that's such a great question. Obviously we all had to have the experiences that we had in our lives to be who we are now. But in terms of going back to my younger self, I really would say I could have easily let go of the need to feel like I was right or prove like I was right or feeling like when I was slighted and whether it was relationships or jobs or whatever of trying to prove to be right. Brene Brown has that brilliant, succinct quote. It's, I'm not here to be right. I'm here to get it right. And I think that applies to ourselves personally, to our relationships, particularly now when I've got teenage kids, I'm I'm really trying to get it right. I'm always trying to get it right, but I really need to go. I'm going to let go of this need to be right. And that's happened for me as I've become more mindful and living more in the present moment. But certainly as I was younger, certainly in my twenties and thirties, I wanted to tell people (laughs) and I would say, let that go. Just let that go. I love that. That's so beautiful. Thanks for sharing. If any of our listeners wanted to get in touch with you and know more about you, where would they find your information? Yeah. So my website is optimalwellnessmd.org. 
I have a lot of resources there that I think will be fun. I also have weekly yoga nidra sessions there. I have connections to just dip your toes in meditation and mindfulness there as well. And I am very active on Instagram and it's just at Dr. Dr. period Rashmi Shram. And that's actually my handle across all of social media. And I would just love to connect. Thank you so much. I will include that information in the show notes as well. So everyone will have a chance to connect with you and get to know you more. I really appreciate the time that you've spent with uh, us and all of the wisdom that you've shared today. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Absolutely. For my listeners, if there are any topics that you want to hear more, please drop a comment below. I would be happy to add those to our weekly content. For all those listening, thank you for joining us today. If you found this valuable, please like, subscribe, leave a review on iTunes and share it with a friend or two. I would so appreciate that. I would love to hear from you. If you have a story to share about burnout or overwhelm, please reach out to me so we can continue to build this community so no one has to go through burnout and overwhelm alone. You can reach out to me at my website, serenitywellnessmd.com or Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Facebook page or at Serenity Wellness MD on Instagram. The content of this podcast is not meant to be medical advice. Tune in for the next episode coming to you every Thursday morning. Goodbye for now.